eight, the number of years that Bill de Blasio has been mayor of New York City. Here to look back on these years as the administration approaches its final two weeks is the mayor's chief of staff and deputy mayor for administration, Emma Wolf. Emma has been a top staff member and close advisor to Bill de Blasio for a dozen years, starting as his chief of staff when he became public advocate in 2010. She was one of his top political strategists in his 2013 campaign for mayor and has been involved in virtually every major initiative and decision of his administration and his political career. Emma graduated from Barnard College, political organizer for SEIU and the Working Families Party prior to her time with Bill de Blasio. Over the past decade, Emma has been on virtually every list of the most powerful in New York City. Women, young people, LGBTQ people, and simply those with power in New York government and politics. And I think it's fair to say that she's done it all while maintaining cordial, respectful relationships with just about everyone she's dealt with, including those with whom the administration has disagreed at times, like Citizens Budget Commission and like me. Emma, we really appreciate the time to talk with you today as you finish and reflect on this very intense phase of your life and work. Welcome to What's the Data Point from Citizens Budget Commission and Gotham Gazette. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. And this is Carol Kellerman for CBC. And echoing Carol here, Emma, to say thank you for joining us today. It's great to have a chance to talk with you, ask you a few questions, hear your perspective as the uh, as the de Blasio Wolf administration <laughs> comes to an end. <laughs> um, okay. But, but no, but really, uh, thanks for taking the time. I know it's obviously a, a busy time, uh, maybe, a, maybe a difficult time in some ways, a uh, hopeful time, et cetera, and um, uh, really appreciate you taking the time. We'll get into our conversation with Emma in just one second, but briefly, uh, just a word about this podcast, What's the Data Point, is a joint podcast from Citizens Budget Commission and Gotham Gazette. We've been doing it for several years now. We've been publishing the podcast less frequently during the pandemic, but we've had some great episodes nonetheless. And we've been, uh, as we have all along, uh, also mixing in some of the audio from some really great CBC events. Um, So you can catch all the episodes of What's the Data Point wherever you get podcasts. Uh, We also post them all at the Gotham Gazette website and at the CBC website. So plenty of ways to find the conversations we've had in the past, most recently, was a conversation at a CBC event with Comptroller-elect Brad Lander. Prior to that, Carol and I had a really good conversation with former Deputy Mayor Alicia Glenn about the future of Governor's Island and some other things. And there's been a lot of great episodes over the years. And we're hoping, of course, to continue into 2022. So thanks for listening here. And let's talk with Emma Wolf. Um, Emma, start with start with what... Carol just said about maintaining relationships. You're, um, and I, and I don't, I don't say this at all uh, in any way to to butter you up. You're very well respected. Uh, people who have lots of problems with your boss, Bill De Blasio, still uh, say such nice things about you. How do you do that in this in this crazy world of New York politics and the intensity of being at the top level at City Hall? Uh, what are just, what are some of the keys that you found? Is it just your personality or what are some of the keys to maintaining those types of relationships and how important has it been that even as the principal, the mayor, you know, has had issues with various people. And of course, that's often part of the job. 
uh, for you as such a top advisor and aid to him to, to keep things um, cordial, professional, uh, really good collaborative working relationships and so on? Hi, Ben and Carol. That's a great question. And thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, and I've listened to a few and love your podcast. And I'm looking forward to when I'm a, 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 a free person in 2022 and beyond to be a diligent and regular listener um, uh, as, I, as I watch from afar everything. Um, so, I mean, I would say a few things and I'll ramble a bit here, Ben. I, he, first, and I, and I don't, I don't, I, I don't mean to, to any false modesty here. It is much easier for a staff person than it is for a principal to be able to, you know, consistently maintain relations. And, and, and in some ways he has to perform and he has to um, uh, scrape and scrap um, with friends and foes in a way that you just, it's a, it's a completely different dynamic. So, but putting that aside, um, I mean, first of all, I was for prior to working for him, I really had to figure out how to build and maintain relationships when I was working in, you know, a whole bunch of scrappy organizations and we were really trying to make our mark and we had to do a whole lot with a, a little. And I learned from some really great political operatives and organizers. I, I'm not very social by nature, actually. I, I don't like to go to the rubber chicken dinners. I don't, Carol knows this. You know this. I don't. I don't love to um, to schmooze for hours on end, but sometimes that's part of the job. And so I was. I got the kind of training from really great operatives and organizers who, you know, really had made me sort of respect the craft of building relationships and understanding. Then later on, I, I didn't understand. We got to the mayor's office when you're in the trenches with people. And when you're in fights, you do not forget um, folks who lend a hand. And, um, and, and so you really do very quickly here um, suddenly appreciate the importance of relationships, not just for politics or policy, but for your, for your, for your, for your soul. <laughs> um, and I don't mean to, that to sound huge, but there were some moments in this place where it, it really felt um, it was easy for you to feel sort of alone or alienated. And, you know, often people have talked about the so-called police crisis. And it was a crisis on so many levels. And there was real human tragedy involved that we had early on that emanated from another crisis, which was, of course, um, in 2014, uh, in, uh, in the summer of 2014 with Eric Garner, and then later on, completely different sort of crisis with being in the epicenter of a global pandemic. And, and so in all of these moments, you realize when you're running around and you're in kind of a rough and tumble place that is city hall and politics. Um, and I, I learned this. Sometimes I didn't do well, but you really do begin to find, um, I think, a value in maintaining relationships because... They matter for like how you approach people humanly in addition to it being important again for governing. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but if I learned one thing here, it was that I had, to, and, and, and I learned this. I didn't have it at the beginning. If you'd asked me about relationships in the beginning, Ben, I probably would have answered in a really, I probably wouldn't have had anything to do about my own 
psyche and my own humanity and my own approach, you know, and emotionality and any of that stuff. I just wouldn't have known. Like, why would that, why would that even come into the equation? I think I would have answered a lot more robotically. Um, and it's true. There is a science to, to being a political operative, of course, when you have to respect the craft of it. But the last eight years, you do also, I, I, I feel like I've begun to understand much more when you get that phone call from someone just saying, we're just checking in and chatting. And when you can step back from a very intense political situation and say, I need to cool my jets here because life is long. Those sort of things. I think it's an important lesson. Some people don't learn it. <laughs> I did. <laughs> it was humbling. Um, some people decide to go the other way, which I fundamentally don't understand. Uh, it's not a good way to work and it's not a good way to live. So you've been stepping back as you just did to kind of look at what you've learned in the course of this eight years about the personal relationships. Let's talk a little bit about the institutional and the structural um, interactions because that the, the administration's organization of City Hall changed a bit after the first term. You didn't have a deputy for operations then. Now you do. Um, you, there was no deputy. You are now the both the chief of staff and the deputy for operations. So looking at all of these organizational issues within City Hall, do you have advice for the next mayor about how the senior management should be organized? Should, do you think the way you ended up with is the best way? I mean, you know, I think it's such an interesting question for right for us city government uh, 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 folks to, to geek out on. Um, and I don't think there's any right way or wrong way of setting up a city hall structure and sort of the senior cabinet. I think there are a few good rules to follow. Um, and, and I think, you know, what you saw in the first, uh, term, we definitely started with, uh, a streamlined structure in terms of the number of deputy mayors and the number of direct reports for our mayor. That was helpful, right? Um, Every mayor is going to be different, and it really matters, I think, um, how they sort of manage their own lives and their own day-to-day -day and their own decision-making. What do they need in order to have optimal both decision-making and performance? But I think it's very – I think they're intertwined, right? Um, for – I also think that it matters um, what the mayor's priorities are going to be. For us, for the set first term, right, um, uh, obviously uh, pre-K was – the most important thing right out of the gate. But when you think about pre-K, you think, oh, okay, well, DOE is the most important. Well, no, because it was an immense legislative and intergovernmental and communications and press endeavor. As you guys remember, nobody believed that we could do it. It was very, very difficult. There were some very intense dynamics with the state. Um, um, there was also a huge budgetary component. Dean Fulahan, who's now the first deputy mayor, was the OMB director, was a very empowered um, uh, OMB director, uh, Carol, I think you would agree, was central in all of our discussions and conversations, not just from a dollars and cents perspective, but the management part of OMB really did play a big role. And, and then, of course, you had both Tony Shores as the first deputy mayor and Richard Bury as the deputy mayor for strategic policy, who both had that in their, in their portfolios. So our structure, for our structure, that, that made a whole lot of sense. Um, we consolidated a whole lot of the housing and economic development agencies, obviously all under one roof. Um, there's always been arguments about what you can pull out um, when it comes to things like housing. 
when it comes to things like homelessness, et cetera. Um, I think, uh, I, I, I do think that one has to be worried about too many deputy mayors or too many direct reports. It's not necessarily about which person manages which agency, but, um, you know, for any, uh, for any mayor, if there's suddenly, and we've gone through our own iterations of this, if there are suddenly one too many senior advisors, deputy mayors, direct reports, et cetera, the reality is at the end of the day, they're not going to be directly reporting to the mayor and how that gets figured out below him is important. If you have people who can work really well together and our second term, a lot of us had gotten to know each other so much, almost all of the deputy mayors had had either prior relationships with so many of us or had worked in the administration. Um, so that matters a whole lot too. You can build a, a, a city hall structure around a group of people that you know will be able to pass the ball to each other, cluster well around certain interagency challenges, et cetera. And certainly during COVID, we found that that was incredibly critical. But you know, I, I, obviously, I think for the incoming administration, public safety is a huge, huge, huge issue. So you're going to see a different, I, you know, we all assume we're going to see a slightly different government structure that uh, attends to that. What have you been doing? Has there been a formal structure to, to transition to the next mayor? What, what have you been doing to make that process work effectively? Yeah, I, I mean... I don't, so I, I said to someone, transitions are always a, um, uh, for, for, for me, and, and this is literally a personal thing. Transitions are always a funny time. I've been through a few of them um, in, a, in, in a literal, in a micro way, public advocate transition, and then the transition um, in 2013, 2014, and then, and then a first to second term transition, which was real. Everyone freaks out. <laughs> um, there's a whole lot of people who are wondering, are they going to have jobs or not, et cetera, et cetera. So there's always a general like angst around it. I've always likened it to sort of, um, you know, renting an apartment in New York City and having a really weird experience with a broker and a landlord, but then you get the keys to the apartment. You don't learn any lessons. You just move on and you're like, I'm not going to pay any attention to do how that worked until I have to go and rent another apartment. And then you do it again and you're like, I can't <laughs> believe that I haven't changed this model or whatever. Um, so, uh, but no. Hopefully the, prior, hopefully the prior tenant will will leave at the right time and not, <laughs> right. leave, not, not leave too much junk around. Or maybe, right. they, maybe they leave something <laughs> nice for you. <laughs> so, um, but, but no, I, I think, look, we, uh, so many of us know uh, the good folks who are, 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 you know, across the street and other parts of the city who are working on uh, Mayor-elect Adams' transition. So there's constant communication. Um, uh, we've been preparing with our agencies a whole portfolio of, you know, materials and all that good stuff. So there's like sort of formal components where we hand off a whole bunch of things to the next admin. Um, and then and then there's the informal um, uh, so there's probably, I would say, Carol, uh, a group of people here who are helping on our end with the transition 24 seven, and then everyone does a portion of it, right. Um, uh, in their own time where it comes up. Um, but, but yeah, well, uh, this, I'm sure, I'm sure that in like the history of transitions, this is one of the more pleasant and, um, uh, coordinated ones, uh, I, I don't, I, I can't speak to, to what happened in previous admins where there was a whole lot of animosity. The Bloomberg folks were 
completely respectful. And um, I remember many of us did one-on-ones with the people who we wanted to learn from and they were totally gracious. Um, and they could have not been, right? But they were. Um, so I, I think we learned a lot of good lessons from that one. And obviously um, we want to be as, as helpful as we can. We all want for their success. In terms of being successful in a mayoral administration, what's one or two things you wish you knew back in January 2014 uh, that you know now, besides what you mentioned about the importance of relationships and perspective and, and some of what you said in your, in your first answer here? Um, what are a couple of things governmentally, especially, um, that you wish you knew uh, and, that, and that the Adams folks will, will be good to, to listen and learn from? I mean, I think they're going to, I think they're going to have, I, I think that, that the mayor elect has been really savvy with, with the press and communications to date. I've found, I think it's very clear what his message has been. Um, I think he's, you know, gone around uh, the city with a lot of joy and a sort of very retail politic kind of approach. And it feels to me, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not a communications professional, but it feels to me like there is a real excitement um, from you guys. Um, and, uh, and they have a very creative media strategy. I mean, um, yesterday doing the exclusive in the New York post with the new police commissioner announcement, that's like, that, that's really smart stuff and it's creative and it's, it's a playbook that I think is going to have a whole lot of pages in it. Whereas we didn't do that. Right. We had a different approach. The mayor is talking about this publicly, so I'm not giving away any state secrets. I think that if we had paid a little bit more attention to, and, and I, I want to say the word performance, but I don't mean it in a cosmetic or um, sort of uh, kind of actory way. I mean, that is part of the job, right? And, and the mayor knows that, but I think we could have done ourselves better if we had paid more attention to that um, part of it, not just for press correlations and what, you know, you guys were, uh, uh, doing and, and you are all some of the toughest folks in a, in a good way to work with right anywhere in the country. It's one of the things, one of the reasons why we've had amazing press secretaries and communications professionals, because they want to come here and they want to work with you guys and get to spar with you guys. And it's, it's really an incredible place to be able to do that, but we should have had a strategy that recognized that reality more. And I feel like we, we, we didn't, and that's on all of us. Um, let me, let the me reflected on that too. Yeah, and and maybe you have something else to add, but I just want to jump in real quick on that because no, please, I jump remember in whenever ve- I'm rambling. I then. remember very well, and obviously both of you do as well. That Bill De Blasio was um, had a had a bit, you know, had a nice honeymoon period. I mean, this guy, you know, he he won by a landslide. He was the new progressive hope, et cetera. He obviously had his detractors, but you know, he was shoveling snow out in front of his Brooklyn home. He would, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It was really, and, and maybe there could have been more of a strategy to like really from the beginning sort of hit home his message more and all that, but the pre-K stuff was there and th- there was a lot of this, but mm-hmm. it was really once real adversity hit mm-hmm. that I think things shifted and he mm-hmm. withdrew more and there wasn't a better strategy. And, and I'm just wondering if you can reflect some on that. I mean, Listen, the Eric Garner tragedy and then the officers being killed. I mean, these are these are not run of the mill crises. These are these are of, you know, huge magnitudes. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um, 
you know, reflecting maybe a little bit on on some of what you learn about the the sort of scrutiny of crises and is are there lessons to be taken from hitting those roadblocks, which any mayor is going to hit. There's going to be things you can control or can't control or whatever. Right. But, um, you know, lessons from sort of hitting adversity and how to overcome some of that, especially when you're being beaten down uh, by many different forces. It's a great question. And I mean, if I if I had the entire answer to it, then I should go off and get paid a <laughs> bunch of money to advise right. everyone from here on out. Um, so I don't. Um, but I would say a couple of things about it. I mean, one thing, this is comical now when I think about it, at some point in 2014, prior to everything that you talked about, there was some stretch of bad news. I can't remember what it was, which suggests it was trivial um, in comparison to what we were going to go through. And I said to someone, I was talking to uh, uh, someone outside government, communications kind of political guru who I've known for a long time, always offers good advice. And I just, I was like, this cannot get any worse. And I remember him saying, hit, can and will. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It can always get worse. (laughs) It will. And there was something uh, like from his ominous, like that made me stop and think. And then I thought about that a lot over the ensuing months. I think if we had clocked that a little bit more, like there's a crisis, we're in New York City. It's not, we can't sort of, um, we can't dwell in a um, in any kind of a crouch. Um, that's not what New Yorkers deserve. Um, uh, if we had had a little bit more of like rising above the moments in an emotional way, I think that I honestly think that could have helped because it did feel like at times we probably succumbed to um, the negativity of whoever was, um, you know, uh, uh, whatever the situation was. And from a communication standpoint, that's not helpful. Um, So I think if we'd had a little bit more perspective, we probably would have more quickly pivoted out, more quickly understood, here's what New Yorkers are actually needing right now. Um, And I don't know how you, some of this stuff is like, you can say it a million times, but until you go through it, how would you, how on earth would you know that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah. So, so communications um, and not just PR. I think it would be, cause I don't mean to say, I'm not saying it's, a, it's, it's a press shop or it's a communication no. strategist. I, I think it's, I think it's everyone's responsibility in city government to think about it. And I think, this is another thing that I would say is I do think there was a siloing of sort of responsibilities sometimes. And I would own that too. Sometimes I would be set on some sort of a political or legislative mission, press be damned. Then you saw a lot of these when you were covering us, whether it was down here or city council, Albany, whatever. And sometimes the, the, we would, we would put everything else aside and sort of say, well, we're going to take our lumps here on press and communications. And you shouldn't do that. You should figure out how to have a successful strategy with both because it actually really, really matters for your own capital and how you stand with New Yorkers. And it's not about popularity. You need that in order to effectively govern. And I feel like we, we sometimes poo-pooed it and that, that was not helping. Uh, we weren't helping ourselves. Yeah. Mm. In addition to that, um, are there particular policy initiatives that you wish that you'd gotten further on 
over the, the two administrations. The mayor has talked said that if you know there's one thing he wishes he'd done a better job with, it's the homeless problem. Do you share that? And are there others that are of particular? I don't. I don't. I I wish that we had earlier. Um, and look, it would have been a neat trip because we had so many priorities. I think that had we understood what needed to happen with NYCHA from an earlier time period and that it wasn't business as usual, um, I think that would have helped us greatly. I mean, a good comparison is H&H. When we came in, I mean, health and hospitals, from where it was eight years ago to now, and to the great credit of so many people, both in City Hall and H&H um, &H leadership, it was clear there needed to be reform, a transformation, a complete overhaul, leadership, well, everything, right? And I think that we would have done ourselves a greater service if we had approached NYCHA like that. Not because of, not because of the NYCHA leadership at the time. I mean how City Hall approached it. Um, so that's one where I feel like, I, I, th I think Greg Ross and his leadership are doing great stuff now. I just think it, it would have been great if we had started earlier because it's just going to take a long time. Um, and then I, I think this is less, do I wish we had done more, but more a challenging issue that I think we kind of missed on was MTA. Um, you know, you're the mayor, you got to deal with it. And it wasn't like he didn't care when our, our mayor didn't care. I just think we, the, 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 I'm being diplomatic to say that the challenging dynamics with the governor, I think we underappreciated when it came to such an important day-to-day -day issue, an hour-to-hour -hour issue, and how much um, that would become uh, 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 a problem over time. So those are a couple. And in your Are mind, the, the answer there would have been be more aggressive early on that the state needs to take more responsibility. You know, what's, what's the lesson from that? What, what would you have done? I think we could have been clear about what exactly we were advocating for as opposed to responsibility, just mm -hmm. responsibility. I'm not saying we should have said, you know what, we're going to eat it. And Carol certainly would not have advised us to say we're going to go ahead and, and um, eat all own of yeah. the, the and own it. It's not fiscally possible and too many services that the city is responsible for would have suffered for it. Mm -hmm. Just for and, and there were a lot of folks who were trying to get, get us to get more skin in the game. But I do think that we could have been more specific and prescriptive about exactly what should happen in order to paint a vision for folks beyond just um, uh, whose responsibility it was. Now, speaking of that, um, obviously the relationship with the governor has been rocky. And to some extent- Former, former, former. Former, yeah. former governor. For some uh, yes, former governor. To some extent, that's personalities, but to some extent, it's built into the way the two jurisdictions yeah. are set up. Right. Is there anything that you would recommend um, apart from the general um, things that you talked about, about your own working relationships with people? Um, are there institutional changes that you think should be made that would make the relationship between the governor and the mayor work better? I mean, anyone, I feel like it's an easy answer for someone who is only interested in the perspective of City Hall, which is, you know, give us more things and, and, and fewer, few, give us more responsibility and fewer mandates, right? That's just like, that is a very simple way of, 
looking at it, where there are things that are impacting so many New Yorkers' lives, either fund it and help us manage it or, you know, hand it over to the city. But I think that's the, that's like, I, like, I would have said that if you'd asked me at any point. Um, reflecting back on the last eight years, you know, and thinking about, well, and the, and the mayor often challenged us to sort of think about this, like, should there be a fundamental change in how we approach CUNY, for instance? It's a pretty huge city institution. It's pretty vital. for. I thought, I thought on the way out, those were some fascinating thoughts by him that, again, right. you know, would have been interesting if, if there was more. I, I, our, one, of our, one of our next questions is about the volume, but, you know, if there had it, understanding there is an immense volume and you can't do everything. But that I thought was a really interesting recognition by him in recent weeks that, yeah. you know, could have could have maybe been. But, you know, the da- the, it's interesting that that's the reaction that you have and that the mayor has. Because another way to, you know, give New York City the subways, give New York City, Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. sounds like when you're in the position at City Hall, that's your, you want it. But Mm -hmm. I would say to you, you break it, you own it. Do you really want? I don't think, I don't think they wanted either of those, right, Emma? Right. (laughs) That's right. No, no, Carol, I'm not, I actually agree with you. I think you just have to be. If there is going to be something in New York City that ma- matters a whole lot for your constituents, and the constituents are going to expect you to have some responsibility for, you have to decide what your approach is. And you have to, I mean, I'm just saying literally, it, it is the right thing if state government is going to have a whole lot of control over such large institutions in New York City, then they need to change how, how they're approaching those two things. And and Carol, you're right. you're a, you're the budget hawk, but they're not fully funding these institutions in the way that they should be, and that's a problem that ends up being a problem for anybody in the city. I agree with you on the if you own it, you you break it. But right now, we're in a sort of ownership and kind of status quo broken model, and that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But I just Is- yeah, I'm giving you the answer. Everybody gets to that one. Is everything that's come out, uh, is there anything that's been missing from your very uh, involved perspective? Um, is there, has there been anything missing about the Cuomo way of doing things in the Cuomo years that you just want to add to the historical record here from your experience? Uh, there's obviously been so much that's put at, been put out through the assembly uh, investigation and, of course, through the attorney general's office. But since you were so intimately involved in working with that administration, so much behind the scenes, et cetera, um, anything you you want to add to the historical record here about what it was really like? Yeah, you know, I mean, I've not talked about it um, uh, on or off the record to reporters much. Um, it's been partly because I did just as from my position, always have a sort of belief in and loyalty to, well, you have conversations, you have relationships, those have to stay in the sort of, you know, respectful cone of silence. Um, but, but so I like, I don't have like much to tell all. I would say in terms of the dynamics, which weren't pretty, even though there are a lot of people in there that I had good relationships with, or that at times I had a lot of respect for, um, and then it certainly had done good things in their career. Um, the the dynamics in terms of, and I think anyone would say this, the dynamics in terms of um, how 
how uh, uh, how how we work together, even in the best of times, were always incredibly challenging. I think the two things um, that I find most regrettable about that, and not I'm not saying it, I regret it. <laughs> I'm saying I think that two things are missing is one, the amount of time and energy that people in government and or people who are in any kind of service connected to government would end up spending on issues um, is is actually deeply problematic. Um, so I think there was there were a lot of times when um, people at any level of government, if they were dealing um, with the chamber, they you would find yourself in this sort of whirlpool of I've just spent the last four months on mayoral control for one year, right? Like what what mm. a bad use of time and energy. So I think that's one of the more devastating aspects. Um, for us personally, you know, the press component cannot be denied. And I do think that it's important for people to recognize that. I, I think, you know, a lot of folks want to say, and now I'm, now I'm arguing against my earlier comments about self-critique. Folks want to say, well, you guys didn't have a good communication strategy. De Blasio is not a good press guy, whatever. There was a very, very, very effective um, operation um, helping to uh, uh, create a whole lot of negativity at times for the mayor. Um, and to not recognize that I think is unfair. And I'm, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, just, you know, um, sit in my bitter stew here, but I, but I, mm -hmm. but I do think from, from a defensive standpoint, I would like to defend him on that. Um, and then the third thing, you know, I think this has been evident during some of the recent coverage, but, um, uh, some of the, management that was deemed so effective and robust and aggressive was in fact uh, at times both micromanagement but also not particularly competent. Um, and, you know, it, it was never spun like that um, during it. But those are my, those okay. are my, Thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, some of that latter point, you know, we've seen more discussion of that coming out of the more information released around, you know, the COVID, the, the COVID response and, and months around that. But um, some things about some things about the press point that I that I won't, uh, I won't go go into now, because we have just a few more minutes with you. So we want to ask you a couple other things. But I think I think that that was very interesting. And there's also a lot to discuss there. But, um, <laughs> but um, what do, from your perspective here, what do people get wrong about Bill de Blasio and the de Blasio years? This is, uh, now there's this narrative forming on the, on the way out that, um, you know, in some ways he, he did a lot more to accomplish what he set out to um, than he's gotten credit for, but in large part, you know, because he's gotten in his own way or, or you know, different things like that. There's all these different uh, narratives, not that many, but a few, you know, overarching narratives here. Some are forming late game, of course, as people are reflecting on his, on his legacy. From your perspective, what do people get wrong about him and your administration? I mean, the only thing I'll say, because he can certainly defend um, better than I can in terms of communications and his spokespeople can, but I, but I do feel quite offensive on his behalf in a good way. I think the I think the thing that doesn't get written in the sort of um, in the narrative that you're describing, Ben, or when people say he gets his own way or 
um, its personality or what have you is I, I, I don't think there is much recognition of how he actually as a manager, as the executive here does get the best out of a whole lot of people in government. And I know it sounds um, like platitudes, but the degree to which he pushes and prods and gets people to be creative and rejects bureaucratic impulses, et cetera. I just don't think that that's widely recognized for better or worse. And there's a whole lot of reasons for it. I'm just saying it doesn't happen to be something that's part of his um, image. And I think there are commissioners and, um, you know, senior staff here at city hall, agency heads, et cetera, who've gone well beyond what they thought their capabilities were. And in no small part to him um, and his leadership, I've seen it. So I've seen commissioners rise to the occasion in ways that I've also seen commissioners plain old, you know, not be able to accept that, um, you know, they need to do something different or creative or that the old ways don't work. Um, So that's a part of him that I think I hope comes out more over the coming years. Do you expect to be associated with him closely in, in a work capacity in the coming years? <laughs> I think, I think um, I will always be associated with him. <laughs> and, um, and I'm lucky for that. He, um, uh, but I am going to, uh, you know, leave government and leave politics for a bit and get my head on straight. Uh, do you, do so. you know doing what? I will tell you in January. Oh, so you you do know, but you won't tell us. Okay. Uh, All right. So it sounds like uh, maybe you're going on tour with your your band. Exactly, Um, Ben. uh, Last couple of questions here real quick. Um, uh, Oh, boy, we have so many to choose from. But um, I can give you, I've got like five, ten more. All right, great. Appreciate it. Um, I mean this, yeah, this is, this is your chance to, to set the record record straight in so many ways. <laughs> and another thing. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Did you, how hard did you try to stop him from running for president and why didn't he listen? <laughs> you're not going to get me to said you had five minutes. <laughs> your political questions. No, I like his, that is not the dynamic that I, uh, uh-huh. that I with him. and I'm, uh-huh. and you're not, you're not, I'm not taking any of your bait. All right. um, But in seriousness, um, you know, I think from a fairly objective perspective, that was a really big mistake and a really big um, kind of waste of of time and energy for city government. Um, Do you want to reflect on that at all? Is that uh, a politician who really wanted to do this thing and couldn't be talked out of it and needed to just do it? Um, were you and the city government able to really keep it going uh, while he was doing that? I mean, can you reflect on that period? Because pre-pandemic, I mean, that's a that's a that's like a lot of 2019. I mean, it. I don't. I definitely don't agree that it was a drag on city government. Um, uh, you know, if he was on the road and we were on the phone, we we had to be prepared with our our list of things, and he was putting us through our paces. Um, and so I felt like um, certainly whenever a mayor is out of town, literally outside the five boroughs, there's a heightened sort of okay, we have to be on our game here. You have to, um, uh, you just feel it. You do. Um, 
that's in the culture of the job. Um, so I don't, I, I honestly don't think it was a drag on city government. My own personal experience, if you'd looked at my work plan on those days, um, pre or post, it, it just, it, it, it's not. Um, and, and in some ways I would say when the mayor is out of town on those occasions, you, you feel like I better not screw this up. <laughs> so, so I think you can actually, um, make a case that we're all in a heightened state of alert. Um, in terms of the consequences of it or how he felt about it, I mean, he's talked about it publicly. I think it was really important for him. Um, and he reflects back on a lot of lessons that he's learned and he should speak to that. Um, and, um, and, and, you know, did it affect our political capital, um, on our press coverage? Um, sure, but it's New York city politics and it looks like that, right? Like it's going up and down, up and down, up and down. You have to take the long view on things and know that some months you're going to be, um, you know, the most unpopular person on the planet. And then some months, um, you know, you're going to be the rebound kid. And people love to sort of take down folks at the top and then build up the rebound stories. And I don't know. So I just have always had a longer view on that kind of a thing. But um, yeah, that's my answer on that one. Okay. We do a positive, a positive last question. Okay. Last question from Carol. Besides pre-K, <laughs> pre which everyone says, what are you personally most proud of? Besides pre-K, there were some things that we did in the first term um, that were both incredibly meaningful local policies, but then I think pushed the envelope to create meaningful statewide policies. And that's like, what, I mean, what more could you want for in terms of a feeling of achievement or accomplishment on behalf of regular folks. So when we were pushing for the minimum wage, we took a bunch of actions locally in order to do so. And then you saw um, what happened at the state level that then impacted the entire city. Um, uh, that was, and paid family leave. And there were a whole bunch of other issues in that kind of regard that felt um, uh, very important. And then I would say second term, um, there's, there's been nothing, I can't imagine ever having the experience than what I had during March of 2020 to now, seeing people who went from having one difficult job to two or three difficult jobs that had suddenly had to turn on a dime and think about government in a completely different way. And all of the rigid bureaucracy that we had to encounter withered away and people stepped up and did things that, you know, I, I just, you never would have imagined. And to be in a room and helping to facilitate just even those folks stepping into those leadership positions and be able to say, okay, there's, we need a situation room because we're going to have a whole bunch of kids coming into classes and we need to manage those cases. How do you create that situation? Find the, find the leader and what Mel Araka has done with it. Even being a small part of that structure where we think, okay, we have this new problem. We need a more aggressive test and trace program than any one agency can handle. What should it look like? And working with the doctors and H&H &H and DOH. We need a food program. Who's an effective person in city government who can do that? Sanitation commissioner. Okay, let's do it. 
those things, you know, being a part of that, despite the incredibly sort of grim circumstances and how much of an emotional and human toll everything was taking, to be able to see people step up like that and, and know that what they were going to do was not only difficult, but that they were going to undergo a ton of scrutiny and have to be in front of a city council hearing or the press corps asking a bunch of scrutinizing questions about why this case wasn't reported at this school or why this person didn't get a, the right kind of meal delivered. And they, they took it. They didn't shirk. Being part of a team of people who had that kind of a approach, I just, I, I assume I'll never get to have it again, but it, it really felt incredibly meaningful. All right, we got. We have to end on that note, I think. And and I, I don't. Uh, I don't often do this, but I'm going to skip my final question because we've kept you long enough. Uh, and that's a good. That's a that's a good thought to end on, of course. Uh, Emma Wolf, thank you very much for the time. We'll be uh, looking forward to your announcement come January as to your next endeavor. But we're glad uh, you have something. It seems like you're excited about lined up. And uh, and thanks thanks again for chatting with us here. Thanks so much, Emma. Thank you both so much. 